Hi, whenever you're listening to me, I hope you're staying safe and doing well. I'm Hari Arakali and this is today's Tech Briefing. In this program, our our belief is is that as long as there are accents, uh, as as long as there are languages, there will always be accents, and as long as there are accents, there will always be accent misunderstandings. And what Sonus aims to do is we aim to minimize these misunderstandings uh, with our patent pending accent translation technology. That's after these headlines. The Tata Group has been given the go-ahead by India's Cabinet Committee on Security for a new military transport aircraft that it is making in collaboration with Airbus, marking the first such military aviation contract given to a private enterprise in India where the sector is dominated by the state-run Hindustan Aeronautics Limited. The high-tech deal, estimated at more than 150 billion rupees or about 2 billion dollars, is expected to generate more than 6600 jobs in the coming years economic times reports under the deal india is to buy 56 c295mw transport aircraft the first 16 aircraft will be imported from an airbus unit in spain and the rest will be made in india at a tata facility over the next 10 years amazon web services is expanding its cloud computing curriculum to more colleges in india the company said yesterday in a press release After successfully integrating the curriculum into programs of study at seven education institutions in 2020, AWS will add another 21 higher education institutions as part of their undergraduate and postgraduate programs starting in the 2021-22 academic year, the world's biggest cloud company said. Notion, a Silicon Valley startup that offers a platform for companies to find all their apps and tools in one place, is acquiring Hyderabad-based Automate.io. a company that makes connectivity and integrations for more than 200 software tools with automate we are accelerating our strategy to build high quality native integrations for teams and businesses while also shipping features for all the developers building on top of notion the us company said in a blog post yesterday leap a bangalore and silicon valley startup that helps students in india find the right college abroad prepare for entrance tests and also secure visas and loans has raised 55 million dollars techcrunch reports leap said the investment was led by owl ventures and other investors include harvard management company more popularly known for being a high profile limited partner to venture funds existing investors sequoia capital india and jungle ventures also participated in the round do you recall how at the start of the business process outsourcing era in india scores of young people would undergo accent neutralizing training or even learn to speak like what was considered an american accent so that they could work in call centers that serviced clients in the us today there is of course conversational ai and more companies are using chatbots and voice assistants but one silicon valley startup is taking a different route by building a sophisticated ai program that attempts to reconstruct the accent of the speaker into an accent that the listener is more familiar with i spoke with the founders of sanas.ai Maxim Serebrakov, Sean Zhang, and Andres Perez Soderi, all Stanford University alumni, about their software product. It's light enough to work on your average laptop and is currently being pilot tested at several companies, including a few BPO companies in India. Here's more from our conversation. Maxim, uh, Sean, uh, Andres, uh, thank you so much for making time for this podcast. Uh, uh, fantastic to have you folks join me today. and i'm really looking forward to learning about your work um, and in a very interesting area over here in india as well many people are interested in uh, 
AI and uh, unrelated technologies. Uh, I guess it would help uh, to just to get started. Uh, tell us a bit about uh, both your background, uh, the work that you do, and uh, as well as uh, Sanas.ai. Uh, when did you start the company? What was the problem you were looking to tackle? Why did you see that as an opportunity? Uh, and we'll go from there. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for having us. Um, I'm Max. My full name is Maxime. I'm uh, I'm the CEO here at Sonus. Uh, previously, I'm a Stanford grad, studied management science and engineering, uh, did a bunch of AI at Stanford as well. Um, besides, uh, besides that, previously worked as an entrepreneur in residence at 8VC, which is a quant venture fund that, uh, which is a venture fund founded by um, the uh, co-founders of Palantir. Uh, besides that, I also worked at Rocketship BC, which is um, a quantitative venture fund that invests in various startups and uses algorithms to figure out which startups are best to uh, invest in. So, um, you know, doing those two things um, ultimately uh, led to me being very interested in sort of like the startup space and investment space. Um, there was a fascinating story that happened around a year and a half ago, um, and we'll go into the story a little bit later on that ultimately led to us uh, founding Sonus, and has to do with one of our uh, close friends, but Andres will go into that uh, a little bit later. But that's just a, a brief introduction about me. Um, Sean, Andres? Sure, I'll go first. Uh, next, <laughs> uh, my name is Sean. I serve as the CTO for Sonus. As for my own personal background, I also was a Stanford student, uh, I studied computer science and specialized in AI. So at my time when I was studying and doing my coursework, I spent a lot of time at the Stanford AI Laboratory, where I was advised by Professor Andrew Ng's uh, ML group. And so I've done quite a bit of research in AI using a lot of the different techniques that were being developed in the lab. And now it's been really quite interesting to be able to use some of those techniques uh, and to transfer it over to, to build the product here at Sonus. Um, so I, I lead the engineering team, and it's been uh, really interesting to see the work that we were able to do. Um, Andreas. Cool. Thanks, Sean. Um, one thing, Hari, that I wanted to mention about the three of us is that uh, we're all very international. So um, Max is from Russia, Sean is from China, and I'm from Venezuela. Um, so part of you know the story that, that I'll tell you about uh, why we created a company also comes with a pretty personal touch to our own you know, nuances with our own different languages and, and how we communicate with each other. Um, so about myself, um, grew up in Venezuela, as I mentioned, um, had my, you know, um, my first uh, dip in the water entrepreneurship in high school, then came to Stanford, um, thought I wanted to do finance. So uh, went pretty deep into the world of investment banking and private equity and that sort of stuff until um, Sonus came along and had a pretty momentous career shift. And now I serve as the chief revenue officer uh, for Sonus, where I um, essentially drive sales in all aspects of revenue, which means I, I get to wear a lot of hats and then talk to a lot of people around the world, which is um, something I love to do and something that makes me very excited to work every day. Um, if you guys don't object, I'd, I'd love to tell a story about how and why we started. Um, Hari, do you, are you okay with me going, going, going through yeah, that story? Yeah, please or? go ahead. Right, yeah, awesome. sure, sure. So it all started with uh, a mutual friend of ours. Uh, well, uh, I, I won't name for, for privacy reasons, but um, essentially we all had a pretty close mutual friend. And what happened was he was a Stanford CS student. He actually studied uh, systems specifically. 
And he was from Central America, where his family at the time um, was going through a little bit of a you know difficult situation. So he went back home in order to be able to help um, his family. So essentially, he wanted to find a job, you know, in Central America, um, where he could help support his family. When that happened, he realized, and when he you know went back to his home country, he realized that the best job that he was able to find because he didn't have his college degree yet was one at a BPO or a business process um, uh, outsource, or in other words, um, a customer service center, technical support, et cetera. So um, while he was there, you know, we would continually catch up. And as he started work, we said, hey, you know, man, you're going to have the, the best um, customer satisfaction. You're going to be the best call center agent out there. Uh, you're going to do really, really well, because of course, this is, you know, a really, really smart student. Um, that went to Stanford and just understands the technical problem quite well. And it was, he was also an incredibly nice guy. Um, so we always joked that he was, you know, going to blow everyone else out of the water with uh, how he was going to perform. But then a few months into the job, he actually calls us and says like, guys, I actually have to quit. And we were all kind of taken aback by this. And, and we asked why. Um, he begins by telling a story that he had lower customer satisfaction lower average handle time, lower first call resolution, basically all these metrics that are pretty important in a call center and are very um, closely linked to success as an agent, uh, which we thought was pretty interesting. But then what we really thought was interesting was that he told us, look, I used to get on the phone at nine in the morning and get off the phone at 5 p.m. And through those eight hours of the day, um, people would get really mad at me and really frustrated and insult me because they you know, didn't always understand exactly what I was saying. And the reason why that was is because there was a mismatch between the accent of the you know, person that was calling him and you know, himself speaking and, and you know, a little bit more of a Spanish accent. So this mismatch and this cause for misunderstanding and the impact that that had on him as well as you know, the people around him really got us to thinking. And we thought that you know, accents are in a way our accent mismatches are in the way the lower level issue of language mismatches. So to the point that we could build an, an accent matching algorithm, um, we should be able to help people communicate more efficiently, uh, increase comprehension and drive understanding all while keeping the nuances of everyday speech. So that's a little bit of how and why we started. And then uh, that was about a year ago and it's been a, a roller coaster ride since. Um, so yeah, that's a little bit of the story behind Sonos. Mm. Uh, so tell us about uh, the product itself uh, that I guess you are now uh, piloting with uh, different customers. Yeah. Uh, is it also called Sonus? Uh, and tell us a bit about it. Yeah. So uh, what, what Sonus does is Sonus does real-time accent matching, meaning we match one accent with another accent to allow for people to communicate with minimal misunderstandings. Um, our, our belief is, is that as long as there are accents, uh, as, as long as there are languages, there will always be accents. And as long as there are accents, there will always be accent misunderstandings. And what Sonus aims to do is we aim to minimize these misunderstandings uh, with our patent pending accent translation technology. Uh, so here's, here's an example. So say I'm a Russian accented speaker uh, communicating with someone that's located in the United States. By the way, you know, as Andreas mentioned, this isn't far from reality. Uh, I've actually lived my whole life in Russia. Um, uh, so going back and say this conversation um, is uh, sort of in a, in a technical support setting. 
my Russian accent would be converted to the accent of the individual that I'm communicating with in real-time latencies. And this would allow for a better understanding between multiple individuals who are communicating in a digital format. Yeah. And I just want to say like as a product itself, right now we have a desktop app that holds a neural network uh, that you install on your laptop. Uh, and this acts as like a virtual microphone. Um, and so this virtual microphone is then this intermediate layer that acts between your physical microphone and your speaker of the communication app of your choice, such as Zoom. Um, so you just speak as you do normally. And then our desktop app will change the accent of the output uh, and keeping it as natural as it can be and to reducing any sort of excessive latencies. Uh, is your uh, software, is it uh, a language agnostic uh, or uh, does it depend on which language you've trained it on currently? Which are the languages you're currently supporting? Yeah, so... That's a pretty good question. And I would say perhaps it's not very language agnostic. Uh, so the main language that we right now are supporting is English, right? Uh, so I'm gonna use examples of Indian accents and Filipino accents and American accents, right? So these are sort of what we have in our current pipeline. Uh, and so, you know, what we do is that we train for our neural network, we train on Indian accented English and Filipino accented English and we try to compare it and match it to translate into American accent English. So the neural network actually looks at both accents at the same time, but they both are English. And I think that sort of like helps the model learn and like what is the fundamental like phonetic pronunciations between accents and how do we change it to make sure that we can map an accent to a target accent. Mm. Uh, I know you've mentioned in your press release uh, that you're piloting it with uh, call centers and uh, back office uh, companies. Uh, but in general, what are some of the applications that you're thinking of going forward for this technology? Um, so maybe I can, I can take this, this, um, this question. So call centers and BPOs are essentially a first horizon of development and deployment, um, specifically because you know, it is a very controlled environment and it's of course an industry where this could have a momentous impact. However, the goal of the company isn't to be a call center company or it isn't to be um, you know, a BPO company in and of itself. Rather, the goal of the company is to help the world understand and be understood. Um, that's our motto and, and the few words we live by. So that means building a cross-industry um, company that can have you know, impacts on basically any form of digital communication out there. So that means you know, starting off, of course, in BPOs, but then going into um, sales, going into international enterprise communications, um, healthcare, telemedicine, entertainment, media, um, ASRs and speech of text engines and working as a pre-processor for them. Um, and then also going into education. Um, there's quite a few industries that we can get, go into. Um, a few of them are of course quite simple in, in the use case of, for example, telemedicine, of course, you know, miss them. Eliminating or at least reducing misunderstandings in the telemedicine standpoint is, of course, very valuable. And that's a very clear use case as to how sounds could be used. But for example, for education, not only can it be used for teachers and students to understand each other better, but hearing your own voice in a different accent actually increases learning rate for foreign language learners by two to three times. Um, so that's also something we can do um, and an industry that, that we're looking into. So 
it's it's quite interesting. There's um there's a lot of different ways where we can go about this, and it was actually one of our struggles at first, in thinking you know of all the different ways, which one do we choose? Um, so that's a little bit of how we think about it. Hmm. Um, explain the uh, technology behind Sanus uh, a little bit more. Uh, how is it able to do what it does? Sure. Um, I'll tackle that one. And so on the actual, you know, accent matching process. So as you know, we developed our own neural network to do the sort of conversion. Um, and so, you know, be assured that this, this is not simply like doing a pitch or a tone traditional signal processing, but rather our neural network actually looks at the two accents and learns a mapping of the phonetic information. So these are the pronunciations themselves. So when you change the pronunciations, you're not simply changing pitch or tone. You are actually sort of deconstructing the audio signal and reconstructing it such that it's in your new desired accent. Um, and so how we do this in our training, our, our accent is that our neural network has, we have a huge data set that contains, you know, accents of, of, you know, the inputs accent and the target accent. And we do have the neural network look and examine between the two and make sure that it trains such that it learns to map the accent as well as the speaker identity if we choose. Um, and so, you know, and we do this in a real time streaming approach. Uh, so the audio frame in is mapped to an audio frame out. Uh, and so I think that's a, a high level overview of like what our neural network is trained and how it looks. It, it really does look critically examines like the two accents to learn like a phonetic mapping between the two. Um, yeah, and to add in a little bit here also, um, one of the most important features is also what data we gather. And India has an incredibly large number of different languages uh, within it. And uh, during the data gathering process, um, we, we make sure to um, pull in, you know, a lot of different uh, you know, accents within within the Indian language. You, you know, we, we pull in Hindi, uh, Bengali, Marathi, um, Telugu, Tamil, uh, Urdu, and uh, Punjabi, and, and, and a bunch of different other ones. So uh, we, we try to be as diverse as possible to make sure that the model captures all physical variations in, in pronunciations, in phonetic pronunciations of, 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 um, of words. Okay, fair enough. Um, how, what, or rather, what are some of the ways in which uh, you're measuring how effective SANAS is uh, today? How do you figure out how good it is in any given situation? Uh, I guess I can take this one as well. Um, so some of the main things is to first critically examine it and, and sort of like an AI and speech technology, like research. So one thing you can first do is have metrics to do is mean opinion scores. Basically, you can determine like one is how you know natural does the output of this neural network sound and so you know you basically just compare with like a blind audience and have them compare like what do they assume, like what is their opinion on the naturalness of a voice and then we've also have our own sort of like studies about like comparing the accent aside so those like how you know what how like fluent does this person sound as an american speaker right and so sort of like looking at those accents looking at how natural and understand, like making sure that see like understandability scores increase. Those are some of the main metrics that we have currently and just completely looking at this at more of like subjective uh, tests uh, and evaluations from blind audiences. Um, and now for actual like call center tasks, we also have some of like some of the aforementioned, yeah, Andreas. 
Yeah, maybe maybe I can take a little bit of, of this industry-specific one. Um, for call center specifically, a lot of the things that we're looking for are, of course, to reduce costs, but also um, try to drive revenue up. So the way we see that in an immediately measurable sense are increases in customer satisfaction, um, increases in first call resolution rates, decreases in escalations, um, average handle time, um, as well as you know, just essentially trying to have a more efficient and more um, more understandable conversation is exactly what we're trying to do. And those are a few of the metrics or at least the, the, the acronyms that we're going after. Uh, but then generally in, in the human capital sense, you know, there are a few more things that we do to measure the success and how we drive, uh, you know, return on investment for our customers. And a lot of them include, for example, reducing hire to seat time. So, you don't necessarily have to go through accent training anymore. Um, you don't necessarily have to go through a lot of, you know, the education of the language side that sometimes you have to go through in order to sound more like, you know, uh, your customer on the other end of the line, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and we also are able to cast, you, you know, we, we, we're also able to allow BPOs to cast a wider net in terms of hiring and increasing job opportunities because you no longer need everyone to have the same language proficiency proficiency level in terms of accent where you can use saunas kind of as a as a plug-in in the middle and then allow you know more people uh, from more diverse backgrounds to be able to work the same job as before um, so that's a little bit of how we measure success on the industry side for for that one example. Um, of the BPO use case. Hmm. Uh, going forward, uh, do you envisage the possibility of a consumer app version that people could have on their smartphones or other devices? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we're definitely interested in that, but that's probably going to come a little bit later uh, when sort of computational capabilities of phones increase um, e e even more. But yeah, that's definitely something that we'll, we'll do further down uh, further down the road. Something to sort of examine when doing this is to make sure that, you know, our product is going to be ethically used, right? So right now we do enterprise and business licenses. And so that's why we make sure that, you know, this is a very trustworthy business and we know exactly what use case you're going to be using it for, right? So it's a lot more controlled. And if you do something as a consumer app, such like an iPhone or an Android phones, um, you know, it's this question like of, of people are going to possibly misuse our technology and perhaps, you know, you, you know, there's always like the danger, like deep fakes, right? I think that's been quite popular. Uh, so it's something that we won't have to critically examine, um, but uh, it, is, it is something in the, in the realm of possibility. And there's some ethical factors that we need to account for. Hmm. These days, uh, uh, a lot of people are excited about uh, the, the whole shift to the cloud. So I'm just curious as to what were your reasons uh, for building your product uh, to be actually installed uh, locally? Yeah, well, uh, an important factor here is uh, sort of latency. How much added latency are you going to experience during the, the communication? Uh, by putting it into a cloud, it's, it's, you, you experience extra networking latency uh, where you have to send data over to a server. Um, and then and, and then back. So uh, that's that's one of the biggest factors that we had to account for here. This, the second biggest factor is again, I think like data security, right? So of course, when you're going to the cloud, you have data come in into your server and it come out. So there's possibly, I mean, one is like perhaps your data can be intercepted. 
Uh, and of course, there's, there's, we really want to stress that we're not keeping any people's data, right? So we really want to make sure that you know, customers, companies, rest assured that we're not keeping your data. Your data is private, secured, and it's kept local in your own uh, you know, business and environment, right? And so that's why we really chose to do a local deployment. You know, our neural network is fast and lightweight enough that it works uh, quite well on, uh, on the average laptop. So that's why I believe that we don't really see a downside for us to deploy on a local computer um, on, on premise. Hmm. If you step back and look at uh, the areas of AI that you are working in, uh, uh, to your mind, what are some of the most important uh, advances uh, in AI uh, that we should pay attention to? Uh, yeah, so I, uh, I'll go first and then Max can go. Um, so I, I think just like, uh, I see AI research in the speech domain just growing uh, a lot very recently. And it's just like how speech technologies themselves have been growing to be more integrated in our daily lives. You know, we see, you know, Amazon, Alexa, Siri, uh, voice technologies, and of course, like voice communication apps, they've all been growing so much. I definitely like if we're looking at specifically like AI research, um, I definitely think in 2016, uh, with Google's WaveNet coming into play, I think that was sort of like a big boom in how a neural network technique can be used to generate realistic speech. Uh, but nowadays, I think we see a lot of work being done in, in speech recognition and more of this voice, uh, realistic voice generation. And um, I, I think like the biggest biggest acceleration of the space is just like the rise of the infrastructure, right? With people having smaller, better, faster laptops and better internet infrastructure, I think this really just unlocked the way to use it, like the voice technology, such as such as Sonus, that we just didn't really have a more realistic way, you know, two years prior. Um, yeah, that's my take on it. To to add in a little bit more, um, slightly more on the business side, I think the the growth of additional must-have no-brainer speech products like Sonus um, is is really critical for um, further furthering you know research into the speech domain. I mean, there's a lot of cool research happening in uh, image processing and, and computer vision. A lot of cool research happening in uh, natural language processing, and uh, there's also a lot of cool research happening in spoken language processing. But a lot of this research is driven forward by actual industry applications and. And, um, and and profitability of the product itself. So, mm. uh, you have just announced uh, uh, your funding uh, from some well-known uh, VC companies, VC firms. Uh, what are the next big priorities for you? Well, there are a few. So we, we want to have. Um, so we we have a series of, uh, of of deployments coming up in the next six months, seven months. Uh, we want to ensure that these deployments go as successfully as possible. And afterwards, our, our goal is to uh, probably raise another round of financing so that we could properly scale our team even further uh, to account for all the demand that we've been getting recently. Uh, so that's sort of like the, the near term, term um, horizon. Another factor is expand to other accents. Uh, there is a very strict product roadmap that we have internally within the team. Uh, and a lot of this product roadmap is actually driven by data. Uh, and uh, you, you know, we have certain dates when we want to want to launch new data gathering campaigns so that we could uh, account for the next markets that we want to enter. Okay, excellent. Um, leave there for this conversation. Uh, thank you so much, uh, Maxim, Sean, Andres, for making time for this, uh, and I hope to keep the conversation going. Of course. Thank you so much for having us. Really appreciate it.
Great. Thank you for having us. That was Maxim, Sean, and Andres at Sanas.ai. That's it for this briefing. You can find all our podcasts on ForbesIndia.com and on your favorite podcast apps. I'm Hari Arakli. Thank you for listening.